Hey, it's getting late. And I've got these letters to deliver. And you better be getting home, too. And remember, behave yourselves. Because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. And now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure that comes snow or high water. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. If you sit on my lap today, a kiss, a toy is the price you pay. We can't sing together. It's not going to work. No, no, it's not going to work. I'll sync it later. Okay, a kiss, a toy is the price you pay. I can't do it. I can't do it while it's coming back at me in a half second. You know. Anyway, so... Welcome uh, to Cricket Commentaries. As always, I am your host, Jake Domasro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Merry everyone. Yes. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Uh, we have a special holiday episode for you. Yes, yes. It is a movie you may or may not have heard of uh, called... Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have heard of it. Not a lot of people have seen it. Because it's kind of a weird one, but yeah, uh, I've talked to a couple of people, uh, told them that we we're gonna do this movie, and some of them knew it. Uh, uh, some of them like don't remember it very well, but like they had heard of it, you know. But it's I think most people who haven't seen it in a while would rewatch it and be yeah, like, they'd recognize the it, yeah. But uh, so, do we say the name? No, what we haven't. It? So it's called Santa Claus is Coming to Town. 1970 stop motion animation film, uh, much in a similar yeah. vein to the uh, classic Rudolph movie, and we will find out why. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Um, so, as we established in our last kind of series, we uh, we're doing the uh, uh, our summary is going to be cut down to the five minute uh, uh, yeah. uh, challenge. So this this week so, it's, it's my turn, from what I gather, to do the five minute exactly. summary, and I think I can do it. Just give me, give me, all right, let me think. All right. Yeah, yeah, just give, I'll give you a second to compile your thoughts because, you know. Yeah. We'll take this moment this to, is, to. This to, is not to, that long of a movie, so I don't think it'd be that hard. No, no, I think you'll be fine. But there's a lot of weird there's things that happen in it. There's a lot of wacky shit in it, in it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, just let me know when you're ready to go. Okay, I'm ready to go. All right. T- Three. T- I'm going to count you in. Yeah. Three, two, one go. Okay, so we have uh this orphan who's brought to the uh, evil Burgermeister Meister Burger, uh, who uh, who ha- who hates fun and rules this town called Sombertown. Um, and uh he's like uh get this fucking orphan baby out of here, send him to the orphanage. That's what it's for. So uh he sends his 
like you know weird Gestapo man uh, to go <laughs> take this baby to the orphanage, <laughs> and um, in the meantime, he the baby gets lost. Uh, the baby is rescued by animals and brought to be taken care of by elves. <laughs> you realize uh, this is this this is uh, Santa Claus because the kid has claws around his neck, like on a pendant, and. Uh, the elves are called the Kringles, and they make toys, but there's no kids to have the toys because they can't get over the mountain because of the evil winter warlock. Because <laughs> so- Sommertown's in there on the mountain, full of kids. Uh, and so uh, they name the kid Chris, Chris Kringle. Um, and, <laughs> and when he gets older, he's like, I'm going to take these toys over the mountain to Sommertown. So he dies. But uh, little does he know that the Burgermeister has declared all toys are illegal because he's an asshole. <laughs> and uh, so he, uh, he brings these toys to Sommertown, and uh, he gets in some trouble with the local authorities, the uh, Gestapo-type uh, people, and um, they, uh, uh, they uh, chase him out of town, uh, and so he climbs up the mountain, finds the Winter Warlock, who is mean to him, and then he gives the Winter Warlock a toy, and then the Winter Warlock becomes nice. So then, uh, basically, Santa Claus starts a revolution against the Burgermeister, essentially. <laughs> um, hero of the revolution, Chris Kringle, uh, decides he's going to bring these toys over the mountain, and he secretly comes up with all these like schemes, because the Burgermeister orders that they lock the doors. So he goes in through the chimney, and then... Then the Burgermeister searches the houses and finds the toys. And so then he puts the toys in the stockings so they can't find them. And they kept coming up with all this shit. And, uh, oh, and then there's also this school teacher who is, like, initially, like, uh, kind of mean to Chris, but then... Halfway. But then he, uh, he gives her a toy and she, like, becomes nice and then, you know, she ends up being Miss Claus <laughs> in the end. <laughs> uh, anyway, and... Oh, also, uh, so at this point, basically, it gets to a point where uh, they catch Chris, and they throw Chris in jail um, into a Nazi prison. And then, uh, uh, basically, how they escape uh, is that the Winter Warlock uh, has some magic corn, which makes reindeer fly. And so then the reindeer <laughs> fly into the prison, and then they fly out with, with, uh, with, Chris, with Chris. And then they're like, ah, great, we've escaped. And then basically, uh, basically, he's just like, well, now I'm going to deliver toys to children using reindeer, going in through the chimney, stockings, etc., all that holiday uh, Christmas stuff. And then, uh, and then he kind of gets old, and he's like, oh, I'm only going to do it one day a year. It's going to be Christmas Eve. And eventually the Burgermeister falls out of power, and, um, you know, it's, that's just how the story goes. And basically he just becomes Santa Claus in the end. That's it. Nice. You with you did it with a minute and twenty seconds to spare. Yeah, I mean it's not that long of a movie. How long is it? Like no, no, an yeah. hour? It's it's fifty it's... fifty minutes running time. Right. So so because this was a television film. You uh, gotta leave time for basically I think it's like it's an hour with commercials, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um so what you're saying is at the end there, the uh the need of the proletariat outgrew the uh the um, production ability of the uh, the red overlord. Overlord. Uh, no, I think he's more of a uh, 
He's a he's a people's champion. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, that's a better way. He's to describe a champion him. of the people. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a much better way to describe him. <laughs> he wears but... a red suit because he's obviously a communist. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There are some uh, overtones in this in this film. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Are we gonna address? When are we gonna address that? What about what? When are we gonna address that this is, movie is just is uh, you know, you this got movie is about what, the... uh, this movie is about seizing the means of production yeah yeah because i mean at the, the beginning of the movie the burgermeister the burgermeister yeah. has control of the means of production but then um chris is like i'm gonna build all these toys and and distribute them to the people like his... <laughs> and and he becomes and he leads a, a glorious revolution against the burgermeister yeah like is he the kaiser <laughs> like what the burgermeister yeah well, I mean, the Burgermeister's clearly Adolf Hitler. I know, but, uh, like, that's what I thought at first, but, like, in the metaphor, in terms of character and aesthetic, he's clearly Hitler, but, like... Right, I was just of... thinking, because, like, the only reason why they gave them more, like, World War One-era German uniforms was probably because they didn't want to make it too, uh, too blatant. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, whereas if they were all wearing, like, SS uniforms, it would yeah, be, be, like, no probably a little bit on the nose. I mean, this, this movie's already, like... <laughs> I don't know. So it crosses so many lines. It's so weird. Like the description <laughs> of the events doesn't like really get across yeah. how like uh, 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 weird it is. So let's do some initial yeah. thoughts here. I mean, basically, I think it. I think it was kind of cool. Like it's a cool idea to have like an alternate, you know, origin story of Santa Claus. Yeah, that's a which great you know idea. I think has been done probably a couple times, but like you know. It's an interesting uh, way of doing this, and I think uh, it's it it pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a fun idea. Um, it's yeah. pulled off. It, creepy and weird as hell. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think they did it well. It was a and little there's a weird. lot of reasons why. I mean, it was a little lazy. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I think. Ultimately, it was like uh, 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 it seems to me like it it, it kind of came at a point, and we'll discuss all this in depth in the next few bits. But it kind of came at a point for the like the studio that made it that it was like uh, uh, we we they were just churning it out at this point. It felt like you know there was yeah. like almost no real work put into it besides the like idea. It seemed like and the actual yeah, but animation. the thing about this movie is that it does actually like you know you assume that most like low effort things would be kind of unremarkable yeah but unremarkable is not the word i would use to like assign yeah. to this movie i think it definitely draws attention to itself so let's get into let's get into the basic facts because this kind of ties in yeah 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 it was directed by arthur rankin jr and uh jules bass or bass i don't know how to pronounce that i'm gonna assume it's bass i think it's bass you think it's Bass? All right, I'll call, I'll call him Jules Bass. I'm not sure. Let's Jules find out. Jules Bass sounds like a better name to me than Jules Bass. Or maybe not. Tough call. <laughs> no, anyway, again. they directed it, and it seems like uh, uh, it's uh, they are also the uh, the two people who like kind of ran the production company from the start. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, my theory is that they, like, were a little they weren't the best at the like creative side so it seems like a lot of parts of this were done really well 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or like a lot of like work, as much work with the budget they were given could be put into it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, here's like as soon as you said like you know Arthur Rankin, Jules Bass, like this is this is a a Rankin Bass production, right? Uh, which yeah. the thing that always comes to my mind for that is Thundercats, because like at at every time an episode of Thundercats would always have Rankin Bass. Right at the end of the episode, I think it would say. Right, yeah. And yeah. that show was extremely lazily produced. Yeah, and I think that's kind of... I think they they kind of just did what they could get away with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, for most of it, which is, I guess, you know, a way to do things for sure. Um, because I think, you know, television can be pretty cutthroat, especially, you know... Yeah, I mean, especially, like, this is a children's... Uh, this is a children's movie, like children's television. I think especially is ruthless. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So there's some there's some choice choice people in this film. Hmm. Uh, Mickey Rooney, Fred Astaire, Paul Frees. Those are the big ones. Yeah. For me, I'm so, sure. Uh, Those other actually, people I don't know. People. I don't know if you... do you know who Paul Frees is. By any chance? Sort of. Like, I know that he's, like, a personality and, like, a comedian, but I don't really know much. Right. And I've heard his but, name around. But... So, you know he voiced the Burgermeister, right? Yeah, I know he voiced a bunch of people. So, so when you heard the Burgermeister, did you automatically think, oh, this voice sounds exactly like another cartoon character? Sounds like another cartoon character? It did sound pretty yeah. familiar. Who does he play? Oh, goodness me. Boris Badenov from Rocky and Bullwinkle. That's <laughs> literally the same voice he does. That's hilarious. It's like I. It's like he sounds exact. He does the exact same he does the voice. Exact he does. Same voice. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those, aren't there? <laughs> yeah. Like Casey Kasem was like one of those voice actors, who. Yeah, Casey Kasem did one voice pretty much. Right? Pretty much, like, like he did a few like very. Casey Kasem, by the way, could... is is Shaggy and Scooby Doo. Casey among Kasem other things. is an absolute fucking legend. Yeah, but I mean, like uh, Fred Astaire and Mickey Rooney, obviously, you know, they were just sort of, you know film actors that were a little bit past their time. Although, uh, I would say Fred Astaire wasn't just an actor, right? No, he was like a dancer, yeah, he was, a singer. Yeah, he was, he a was a... Triple threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was quadruple threat, theoretically. Wait, what yeah. are all the threats? <laughs> I am not actually sure. No, not a... <laughs> Is quadruple threat a thing? Yeah, it must be. It must be. I don't know. Quadruple... Anyway, he's a very talented man. Yeah, he's extremely uh. talented. Um, he's got He's got fast feet. <laughs> yeah. So it was aired originally on ABC, um, but this stuff is all kind of weird. It gets uh, 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 sold and bought, and I'm not exactly sure what network it's on now, because I know Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, was originally also on ABC, mm-hmm. and then it was sold to Universal, and then it, yeah. and now it plays on CBS. Uh, what? Where did where did you first see this movie? I I believe I watched it on 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 TV. At probably some point CBC, I would ago. imagine. Yeah, I think I think it probably aired on CBC one time, and I I just remember like the first time I saw it, just being like, "Man, what is this?" Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's visually striking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> among other things. Um. Yeah, definitely the uh, the uh, earlier one, well, Rudolph, which we'll get into in a second. That was more of a mainstay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure everybody's like uh, of a certain age has seen far Rudolph, more familiar like, with that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Do kids still watch it? 
Like, is that is uh, it still really popular? I don't, I don't know. know. I think I've seen it. Like, it's. I mean, I I assume it plays every once in a while. Yeah, uh, and still, I think it like, it played. It does play on TV every year. I think still on CBS. Um, mm-hmm. It's incredibly sexist. <laughs> like what, Rudolph? Yeah. Or this film? This one. I I haven't seen Rudolph in a, in a long time. Actually, this one is debatably less so than yeah. Like than Rudolph. Like there's a lot of implied sexism in this one. Like just like the way the you know, like the relationships are and stuff. You know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. uh, it's more blatant in Rudolph. Like like uh, uh, uh the. Rudolph's dad like yells at his mom and is and is like that's this right, is yeah. men's work like stuff right, like that yeah. and it's a lot more blatant. Um, so I don't know if that stuff is probably great anymore. It's it's kind of nostalgic to look back on, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, I haven't, probably, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't really know. There's probably better uh, stuff to wa- show your kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, we're we're not talking about that one. We're talking about this one, which is not as blatantly like inappropriate per se not that that's like necessarily inappropriate so, uh, I'd say inappropriate but you know what I mean but this one's just weird and could be considered like fucking traumatizing yeah yeah I mean specifically there's that bit with the trees that I think is the scariest part of this movie that, that that's pretty fucking terrifying yeah like, I mean, you know, Rudolph has the Abominable Snowman, which is the Abominable Snowman know. is is scary, but he at least he like kind of gets disarmed. The trees, the, the the warlock gets disarmed, but the trees that kind of stays scary. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, well, she, I mean, their bark is worse than their bite. <laughs> that was a good pun. Mm. It was excellent. There, yeah, there are a lot of like. Things that are made for kids that, like, you watched when you were a kid and you, you come back and you realize, like, wow, this movie doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. <laughs> Dialogue doesn't make a lot of sense anymore either. Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially the older <laughs> ones that were, like, yeah. before they put effort into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, but, I mean, there always was were, like, you know, things for children that, you know, people put effort into. Yeah, no, you're right, but. There's, like, you know, you go back and you watch, like, you know, those old, like Disney classics, like you know, they wrote they like they at yeah. least spent time getting like you know totally quality into there, you know. Yeah, I was thinking more about like t- television. Oh, television, yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, like yeah, at the time, like I think there was a much bigger gap between film and television in terms of budgets. Oh yeah. Was- Nowadays, I think they're pretty goddamn close. Like I think like, you know Yeah, totally. Like it's 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 a we're in a weird period now. Like that's a whole yeah existential conversation about television and, and whatnot. But um let's get into the, the production and pre production of this movie because like as there's there's not necessarily a lot I know about like the production of this movie, but we're gonna kinda talk about the lead up to it and then the little that I do yeah. know about the production. Um because it is kind of an interesting like story about the company just in a way, you know? Yeah. So the the original company that Rankin Bass was prior to being Rankin Bass was Videocraft International uh LTD mm-hmm. which was formed in 1960. Um mm-hmm. and kind of basically their whole model that they were like they were like one of the first television animation producers to like fully outsource their animation work 
Uh, I th- right. I think it was exclusively to Japan with them. Um, uh, other studios did it to other places, and I, I know other studios like Hanna Barbera started doing it as well, and were doing it mm-hmm. similar times. Well, I was just thinking like uh, Armor, like Rocky and Bullwinkle. I think they uh, exactly they did all their, uh, but that's kind of like Mexico how they were something. able to like you know get their foot yeah. in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because they exactly. definitely weren't the player, you know, but. Yeah, they were in, around. Um, yeah, like they managed to have like turn things around with a lower budget, right? Exactly, exactly. So throughout the sixties, mostly they worked with a Japanese studio called MOM. It was all capitals, so I assume it's not mm-hmm. Mom. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who honestly. knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, but the animation director was uh, Tadahito uh, Mochinaga. Mm-hmm. And he, they created numerous television shows and specials. Like, they weren't, you know, they did tons of stuff. I think their first project was, like, based on Pinocchio. It was, like, an animated show based on Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically this guy, Mokunaga, sort of, with his crew, obviously, I don't know anyone else's names. And, like, I don't think his crew really got any credit. But, like, mostly it was just the production guys that got credit. Uh, like, the production uh, overseers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, they kind of created this uh, uh um uh type of animation uh that that's been it's referred to as animagic. Animagic. And, and and is that the uh is that sort of the what was used in this film? Yeah, this film is like quintessential. Animagic, so it's kind of like, uh, 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 you know, it's got the like, the big round heads with like the big eyes. Um, yeah, it's usually stop motion. They did a little bit of uh, uh, I I think at least the specials were usually stop motion. I think the television mm-hmm. they did a lot more like cell animation. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the 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 first holiday special was Rudolph. Um so mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that they ever quite reached that same success. Yeah. Um but Rudolph started came out in 1964. And they did kind of this it, it kind of like created that they had this like very unique kind of snow texture and like way they worked with snow that I think mm-hmm. kind of is what made them like made there for the holiday specials especially i think that was very uh helpful right exactly and part of the animagic like thing was that they kind of mixed stop motion and like cell animation uh particularly yeah so there's there's a a couple scenes in this movie where you can see that like specifically the weird psychedelic bit yeah they really do it there yeah (laughs) they lean on it heavily there it's it's kind of weird yeah uh, but usually, or uh, when they did the uh, the first toy maker to the king song, yeah, exactly, yeah. That's also got some two D elements in there. That was a little more seamless because it was like a, yeah, mm. uh, yeah. like you know, callback. But toy maker to the king. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and the other thing was like the the like snow overlays that they would do, like. Oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah super yeah, cool. Yeah. You can see that in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge part of this movie, especially. And then like when with the Winter Warlock, the his magic yeah. is very, uh, yeah, uh, it's very cool with that. So basically, this the success of, of Rudolph kind of caused them to like 
keep doing the same thing. <laughs> um, mm. So they continue. I mean, who can blame them? <laughs> yeah, who can blame them? It worked. It worked, and it was successful. People liked it, so they were like, "All right, let's let's do another, uh, let's do another Christmas song." So they decided to do uh, 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 the Little Drummer Boy. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't seen that one. No, I don't. I, I've seen it like one time. I don't really remember it, so I can't really speak to it. Uh, it's about right. It's about the birth of Jesus. Right. So you're there in the you're there in the manger, and, mm-hmm. and I think the little drummer boy is there. Okay. So I don't really know. Is the little is is it about Jesus? I mean, I know it is. I honestly, what the song? Yeah. I honestly have no idea. What? <laughs> how does it go? Well, I know like it's vaguely about Jesus because it's a Christmas song, but like, is it literally about yeah. like was the guy? Is it like about being there with it, like birth of Jesus? I, Honestly, I haven't really listened to the lyrics to that. Yeah, it's really like David Bowie does it. So yeah, well, a lot of people do it. Yeah. Wait, is that the one that he did with uh with Bing Crosby? Yeah. Yo, yeah, that was hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, th- this this is just an aside, but it, you should go and look up um. Bing Crosby and David Bowie doing the Little Drummer Boy because it's really weird. Oh yeah, it's totally about Jesus. Oh, it's directly about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, about walking to Jesus. Come, they told right. me, Parumpa Pum Pum, a newborn king to see. Our finest gifts, gifts oh, we yeah. bring yeah, to lay right. before the king. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. So I guess it's like, yeah, Mary's Mary's in it. So there you go. So they really they went hard into that one. Um, that same year that they did the Little Drummer Boy, that was 1968. They changed their name to Rank and Bass Productions, um, and I don't really know, like, if there was like a power shift, or if they were like I don't know exactly why they decided to do this, but like obviously these mm. two guys were like, like the biggest guys involved in this in this company, mm-hmm. um, so they 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 changed the name. Have you you so in 1969 they did the cell animation Frosty the Snowman, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of that that one is also quite popular. Yeah, oh that one the cell animation one yeah 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 everybody's seen that yeah, one. Yeah yeah right? that one that one's still played every year as well I think. Yeah. Um and it's got like you know that the, was 1969 I thought that was most, I thought that well, was later than there's that. there's a few there they did they made a few sequels that are also called Frosty the Snowman. Right. Where they like tried to like make it the same. And it's kind of confusing, but the the original one is is 1969, and that one's got like the evil magician in it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I I quote the evil magician in my daily life, like once oh, yeah? a week, um, because at the what's the quote? Well, at, at so at the end of the movie, basically Santa like sends him off to like go you know, be a better person. He like gives him a second chance because he's a dick. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh my, I have to go off and, because he's got like this really weird, voice, I have to go off, I'll be so busy, 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 busy. And he like, like t- twiddles his fingers and goes, busy, 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 and then runs off. So whenever I say I'm busy, I always do that. No one ever knows what I'm doing. But now you'll know that I'm constantly quoting that magician from Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> okay, I see. <laughs> um, anyway, they do that. Uh, it's popular. They kind of, as they're doing all their like animation, they kind of uh, amass like a crew of, of regular voice actors through all their productions. 
Um, mm. And their studio for all these extras was based in Toronto. Toronto, Canada? <laughs> Toronto, Canada. Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. I don't know how much there still is, but historically, like, there's always been a lot of animation in Canada. Yeah, right. Well, I don't know if the animation, like, where the animation, like, because it was, it was done at CBC. Right. And it was just recording voices. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so after Frost and the Snowman, the next holiday, the special, is 1970s Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Um, the movie that we are covering today. Yeah, so so they've done it. If you know uh, uh, um, Rudolph, you'll know that Burl Ives is in that one. Yes. Um, let me just look at the little drummer boy. I think there's also a, like a celebrity in that one. Yeah. This must be one that they don't show on TV much because I don't think I've ever seen the little drummer boy. No, I don't think that one's... That one's extremely uh, Jesus-y and a lot less Christmassy. Right, I see. But I think on TV these days they want to be a little more generic because they picked another celebrity for for this one. I mean, they seem to be picking like celebrities who are a little bit past their prime on all of these. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jose Ferrer. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Is in uh, the Little Drummer Boy. A giant uh, of an actor. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and that 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 reminds me. Um, I was reading, and I saw that in Frosty the Snowman, the snowman was played by one Jimmy Durant or Jimmy Durante or whatever. And I th- Wait, who's that? We've talked about, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what my reaction was. And I was like, we've talked about him before. Who is he? And you know who he is? Who is he? He is the guy who sang the Christmas song. In, uh, fucking the Tom Hanks movie, Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't they get the better version of this? They got Jimmy Durante to do it, or Jimmy Durant to do it. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, I don't really know who this guy is. And then coincidentally, here's another Christmas thing he's done. <laughs> Jimmy Durant. Yeah. So that's I don't know. Kind of a weird coincidence there. But. The celebrity they went with this time, the who was a little bit past his prime, was Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire, yeah. And uh, picked a lead actor who was also a bit past his prime, Mickey Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey Rooney's great in it, though, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic in this. Fred Astaire seems a little lost. <laughs> yeah, you were saying that he didn't really know what this whole thing was about. <laughs> I think he was confused the whole time. I, wa- I, yeah. I read an interview with uh, uh, Rankin, yeah. Arthur Rankin Jr., and he, the way he put it is it, it really seemed like uh, Fred Astaire had n- no idea what the project was. He didn't fully understand it when they explained it to him. <laughs> and he didn't know... It. How old was Fred Astaire when this was happening? Let's find out. Because um, it's like, I feel like it's not that. No. It's not that hard to explain. Like, maybe they just did a bad job of explaining, like, what yeah. his role was. Like, I think, like, it's not that he d- couldn't understand the uh, concept of animation, per se, but... No, I was thinking, like, the concept of the plot or something like that. So he would have been 71. Okay. He's getting up there a little bit. Getting up there a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah. but yeah, apparently, uh, 
he'd never done animation before, so Arthur Rankin said that he told him, just just imagine you're doing radio. Like, you've done tons of radio. Okay. Because I think I think he was getting confused by the concept of, like, voice acting. I think he, he didn't, like, they wanted him to be... He, had he never seen a cartoon any before? Like, I don't know. Like, they wanted him to be Fred Astaire, and yet the character wasn't named Fred Astaire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he... It was like S.D. Kluger or something, right? S.D. Kluger. It was S.D. Kluger, yeah. There you go. Nailed it. Um, but apparently uh, Paul Fries, um, who, as you mentioned... Paul Fries, who has done many voice act, much voice acting. Yeah, and he was also in The Little Drummer Boy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, as we mentioned, he plays Meisterberger. I think he plays the Doctor, and he plays the Kringles. Um he was hired as well, apparently, to kind of coach Fred one on one. Right. To, yeah. To, to to do it, um, and apparently Paul Fries had like obviously had a good sense of humor because he was a comedian, um, and broke the ice easily with Fred. And uh, Arthur Rankin told, like, a story about how, uh, Fred Astaire had like this, this manager who was like an old Hollywood band manager bigwig. Um, who yeah. was like retired as a band manager, but now was like just Fred Astaire's agent, basically. Mm-hmm. And he was the kind of agent who like spent twenty four seven like on his person, and like everything had to go oh, yeah. through him. It was kind of one of those, uh, yeah. Which gives me like creepy vibes, but <laughs> okay. but that's just me. But apparently, he said that because this guy's a legend, right? In in Hollywood. Uh, when Paul Fries first walked in the room, he like walked right past Fred Astaire up to, to his agent and was like, "Oh, like look at you, like here's the celebrity oh. in the room, you know." Right. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that apparently cracked everyone up enough that, uh, that broke the ice. They, at least, everyone yeah. opened up to after that, according to to Rankin. Yeah. But, funny guy. Yeah, Rankin's the only source on that one store on that kind of angle about. Uh, a, yeah. a stairs kind of perspective on that, so take that as you will. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, the animation was still outsourced to Japan, but by this point, the guy who had kind of like uh, uh, pioneered the style, uh, mm-hmm. Mokinaga, he had left and done uh, something else. I think he started a studio that like Eventually, some of the people who worked uh, with Ghibli would go and, and or who created Ghibli would work with. Anyway, that's kind of a side story. So the guy who was running the uh, the production at the time was a guy named Kizo Nagashima. Uh, he was mm-hmm. qu- uh, credited as the production director. And as uh, cinematography. So yeah, after after a few airings <laughs> on ABC... Uh, the network and and the other network it was airing on. I forgot what it was called, like free something. Um, they cut several scenes from future airings, apparently. Uh, of this film, of this yeah. film, which were restored in the uh, in later I'm versions. Trying, I'm wondering if if the version that I saw had any of those taken out. What were they? What were the scenes? <laughs> I think it probably did because they were pretty major scenes. So, firstly, they cut the scene that where. Um, Chris Kringle leaps from the rooftops to escape the the police. Oh, okay. He, 
did they just cut that down to save time? No, or but like... the reason that, that was said on at least Wikipedia that it said was that they like um, wanted to. They didn't want children to, you know, reenact the stunt. <laughs> oh, they didn't want children falling off roofs, like jumping off of roofs, like trying to get away from the police. I think it's a weak excuse, but who knows? Maybe they really thought that. And then I think they also cut the uh, the the tree scene, like some of the traumatizing scenes with the yeah the warlock. Um, and that. Like, it just sounds like they probably just cut shit down so they could add more commercials. You're probably right. And then they also cut the scene where uh, Burgermeister destroys the toys. Oh, yeah. Like, does no, he light them pretty, on fire, I think? He lights them on fire, yeah. yeah. So they cut that scene. Uh, because it's traumatizing. Brutal. <laughs> so they cut quite a bit. But... Yes, yeah, so the the version I saw definitely had all of these. Yeah, I think they scenes. I think they restored it because the Blu-ray version and all the DVD versions have that for sure. Mm-hmm. I saw that there was a film actually made about the making of this movie, but I honestly couldn't find it. Oh, that's like too bad. it's really obscure. Mm. Um, I mean, I can tell you a little bit about like how like you know animation works because you do actually need a specific kind of camera for it yeah well i did like, like a bit of i did um, claymation a bit when mm-hmm. younger but I, yeah so I, I i remember i've done a little bit of that too uh but like obviously we did it in an era where you know it was a bit easier to exactly do. i've seen a few videos of like disney studios like doing animations and mm-hmm. it looks like a f- like super intense process but i don't really know how yeah so here. they basically have like a motion picture camera that's uh either it's been modified or that it has this built in that uh, basically uh, you can move it one frame at a time because uh, you might know that movie cameras, like, you know, they're meant to run at a specific speed. Yeah, like a frame rate. Generally, they're designed to, like, not vary that frame rate at all. So you need a way to have it advance just by one frame at a time. And so, for example, uh, a really popular camera for doing this was uh, the 60mm Bolex. Uh, which we discussed, which was the camera that Mike Judge bought to make his <laughs> originally, um, and uh, it it it's it has all these controls for setting like uh you know a uh, single frame advance, um, and so basically you just need a camera that has that, and then also you know um because normally when you're filming something, your exposure time is limited by like you know how how long it's limited by your frame rate right. because if you, you can't just slow down the shutter speed because you're going to be changing all the motion but at least with the uh, animation you have the opportunity to uh, vary that a little bit uh but yeah so I, I i don't think there's that much to say like i think this is a pretty standard animation on yeah this film. well low budget uh, right <laughs> yeah low like budget it too does it say uh, the budget here no i don't think it says the budget here i didn't see the budget anywhere um yeah, no, I don't know. But I don't know. know if that's, like, you know, public information for TV. <laughs> yeah, not always. Uh, Did you check IMDb? Let me look here. Um, so I can't find any... Um, There's no uh, budget on the IMDb, but it does have a 7.7 out of 10. On yeah, which is shockingly high, in my opinion. 
I mean, I think you're rating this movie a little bit lower than I do. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think maybe the fact that it's so creepy is like outweighing a lot of it to me. <laughs> right. Okay. Find, <laughs> I find the kiss. I mean, I thought this movie was rather entertaining. <laughs> it was a pretty entertaining, but it was also fucking weird as shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not necessarily in a bad way. No, you know? but it, like, let's just put it this way: like, it's it was entertaining, but not in like a kids movie kind of way. Right. Okay. You know, in a like, what the fuck were they thinking? Half the time, <laughs> kind of way. Just like in terms of like yeah, storyline and scene by scene, you it know. Was 19, it was the 1970s. Yeah, was. like let's talk about that that fucking psychedelic scene for a second. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Like I think that actually that was one of the scenes that was cut. I think. Oh really? It was so fucking weird. <laughs> okay. And that song was like the songs were not good. Like let's let's be frank about that. The songs were bad. Yeah, no, that was one thing I noticed when I was watching this movie that I, it it didn't sound like they put that much effort into the songs. Like nor the the writing nor the recording. Like no. the produ- well, especially the writing. <laughs> yeah, especially the writing. Like it sounded a bit self-plagiarized. Like there was a, there was a lot of references to the Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, and like and then they also had the the one song that they did twice with different lyrics. Yeah, exactly. That was just that was a little bit, uh, you know, you could have done a little bit better. Yep. <laughs> and, like, the, like, Take One Step song, like, barely had anything to do with the... Yeah, I don't know what that was. Barely had anything to do with the plot. It's just they feel like they're like, oh, we should have a song here, so they wrote that, yeah, I guess. exactly. And it was like, <laughs> I don't know, it was not, not, not strong. Not a, not a standout tune. Um... But yeah, not if you. It's not if you sit on my lap today. That's a that's a. That's banger. creepy as fuck. <laughs> if you sit on my <laughs> lap today, a kiss, a toy is the price you'll pay. Like, uh, that's kind of weird. Yeah, kind of weird, man. Demanding kisses from children. Like, his know, motivations man. are not ever particularly clear. Well, it's it's clear to me he's starting a communist revolution. Oh yeah, okay, that's true. Uh, that's that's quite true. That is pretty clear. Yeah, Santa's Santa's red. That's why he wears a red why suit. He wears a red suit. Yep. Um. So speak speaking. Uh, uh. Well, not speaking of. Sorry, I missed something. Not speaking of Santa. Speaking of communism. Speaking of communism. <laughs> let's talk about Starfleet. What? Oh, is that? Are we talking about uh, Trek now? Yeah. Yeah. No, I would not call Starfleet communists. What would you call them? I don't know. They kind of have their own thing going. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're they they do have their own thing going. Hello, and welcome back to Six Degrees of Star Trek. This is the segment in which we find the connections between this film and Star Trek. There's gotta be some. Uh, well, there are. There are at least three. I'll Heck tell yeah. you that right now. I thought that this, uh, I was kind of hoping to find some direct connections, but 
I unfortunately did yeah. not. I thought it might. No, I, I was hoping it would, but it... Too weird. What? Well, I mean, there are some not weird people in here. Yeah, but... That's true. Two. Two Sorry. not weird people. Uh, who, who are the two not well, weird people? Well, there's two people that would definitely not be in Star Trek. Okay. And is that Fred Astaire yeah. and Mickey Rooney? I could see Mickey Rooney being in Star Trek. I don't know that I could. <laughs> uh, well, regardless, he was not. Fair uh, but uh, I feel like he could I could be. see him being... Uh, both of those guys could definitely be, like, two steps. Uh, they are. Fuck yeah. So, we start with Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire was in a film called The Bandwagon. When did that come out? Because he's been in so much. 1953. So... And that's the band space wagon, not bandwagon is one word. And uh, there were actually a couple people in that movie who were in Star Trek, or at least oh, two. Really? Uh, according to IMDb, uh, Lawrence Montaigne, uh, who plays an undetermined role in this film, uh, is uh, a is is uh, in Star Trek, and he is in. Yeah, so he's in the episode. He's in the Bon Far episode, actually. Is he? Who, who's <laughs> that? Is, Who is it? What's yeah, his name? he's he's the he's Stan, the uh, the Vulcan who uh, challenges uh, for Spock's like uh, fiance. <laughs> That's sick. What's what's his name again? Uh, Ray. Sorry, Lawrence Montaigne. Montaigne. And uh, but. But he's undetermined, un uncredited in this film, and apparently the role is undetermined, so I don't know what that means. But Julie Newmar was also in that movie. Oh, uh, yes. As salon model slash Chlorine in the Girl Hunt Ballet. Uh-huh. Sorry, Chlorine in the Girl Hunt Ballet. And uh, Julie she's Newmar, still, you may know... She's still alive, 88 uh, years old. Yeah, you may know that she is uh, most famously Catwoman in Batman... Uh, well, Batman... The one with Adam West. The television series, uh, yeah. Sick. Yeah. Um, but she was also in the original series episode called Friday's Child, which uh, I believe... Yeah, so that's the one where uh, they go to this planet where there's the Klingons are, like, you know, trying to get these people on their side. And there's, and there's a woman that has, like, a baby. And like they have to like escort her. Yeah, yeah, I remember that episode. Um, yeah, yeah, you remember that episode. Eileen is her name in that episode. Um, yes, yes, it is. Um, and then we move on to Mickey Rooney. Okay. So Mickey Rooney was in a film called The Domino Principle in 1977. <laughs> okay, so even later in his in his in his late career. Yes, uh, and who else was in that episode was uh, uh, a woman named Majel Barrett, who later uh, notably went by the name Majel Roddenberry. Oh. My. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, and she is also famous for being in... I think she's the only... No, because... I was going to say that she was the only um, uh, person who's been in every 
series of Star Trek, but I don't think that's actually true because she's not in the most recent ones. No, yeah. But I think she's been in more different series than any other. Yeah, actor. for a while she was she was in all of them. Yeah, so she was uh she's played three notable roles, I would say. She is the voice that's of the, the ship. Most, pretty much every that's ship. Badass. Um Oh actually I guess it's four roles. Uh and she plays uh Christine Chapel, the nurse on the original Enterprise in the original yeah, series. Yeah, badass. And she plays one of the most infuriating characters in the series, which is Luxana Troy, who is uh, Deanna Troy's mother. And that is in The Next Generation and in Deep Space Nine. Uh, (laughs) And finally, she also plays number one in the original pilot episode. Does she really? Yeah, in the original pilot episode, she's number one. It's really weird. That's really weird. Uh, but uh, apparently the uh, studio execs didn't 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 like her, so they changed. <laughs> <laughs> they changed her. Um, uh, for I don't know. They well, they changed everybody because even Shatner wasn't at that point. I think Spock's the only person that survived. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's the only character that survived that. Uh, Re- but uh, but then he he he. He, because um, they were dating at the time, and I think the execs uh, were like uh, kind of annoyed that Roddenberry had put her in the show. Really? Why? Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and so, but then he got her in anyway as the voice of the ship and as the nurse. Good for him. Because she yeah. several <laughs> generations of doing a great job. Exactly. An, especially um, being an annoying character ships too. Yeah. Um, and then we have one more connection here. Okay. Via Paul Freese. Okay. Who who is in the film uh, Irma La Douce, uh, which is a 1963 film starring Jack Lemmon. Oh, sick. Uh, and who else was in that film is uh, Grace Lee Whitney as Kiki the Cossack. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and she was also in many episodes of the original series of Star Trek as uh, Yeoman Rash. Oh, really? Yeah. So she's uh, she's notable for having a really strange uh, hairdo in uh, <laughs> in the original series. What, what is? I forget what the hairdo looks like. What, I'm gonna gotta Google a picture. It's it's kind of like a beehive, but it's like woven in a really strange way. Just just look up a picture of yeah. Yeoman Ren. Just Google image. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. What the fuck is going on there? It it look looks kind of kind of normal at like a first glance, but then you actually look at it, it's bizarre. It looks like it must have taken like, if it's, like, it's not okay. Real. It's just they just popped on. It's 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 a it's it's a hairpiece. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at look at. Um, but yeah, those are. Imagine doing that with actual hair. No. No. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that. I think they actually. Um, the actress was talking about it, and she was saying like, I the writers told her that you know, that uh, she's supposed to put her hair in like a in like some futuristic machine, and it does the hairdo for her. Oh, I see. That that was the thinking. That's interesting. That's good thinking. You know. Yeah. Because I didn't um, really consider that. You know? But yeah, that's. 
didn't really consider what. You always think of that like that's a ridiculous hairdo. Like why is it like that? Because it's, it's the, the future. future. Yeah, like if you just put your head in a machine for a while. Yeah, you could do all sorts of yeah, crazy exactly. Hairdos. So yeah, that's uh, that's the three connections that I found. Um, I was disappointed to see that there were no direct connections, but interesting. Well, I mean, I think people should have expected that all the connections were going to be to TOS. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's quite clear. Yeah, because uh, this this movie came out basically directly after TOS. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's six years of Star Trek. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, what what do we got now? Keaton? We've got. What do we got now? We're gonna we're gonna take a look at some real stuff because you know, this is a this is a a, a film about Santa Claus, which some say is real, mostly children, but you know, there's there is. I I don't I don't think we're gonna go on the record on that. <laughs> the point is that there is some truth to Santa. There is there is definitely truth somewhere. Somewhere there. And yeah, we're going to find it. Welcome to the truth. Before we get to the bottom of things. Find the kernel of truth behind the lies. <laughs> We are we're truth seekers. Yeah, truth truth sayers, lie slayers. Absolutely, that is the goal of this segment: is to slay the lies. All right, so tell me, tell me about the truth. So, who the fuck is Santa, man? Who is Santa? Santa Claus. Who is Santa Claus? Who's Chris Kringle? Exactly. What do you know about Chris Kringle? Just tell me off the top of your head. What do I know about Santa Claus in general? Yeah. Okay, so I know uh, that there was this guy named Saint Nicholas who was like, he was like a Greek uh, priest, I guess, and, or holy man in some capacity. And apparently he like gave, he was supposedly quite generous and apparently he like, uh, he threw a sack of gold coins somewhere. Yeah, fucking dope. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not sure where all the other names come from. Uh, but I guess Santa Claus is some kind of corruption of Saint Nicholas. Is my thoughts. I don't know where Chris Kringle. Yeah, well, from. we're gonna get into it because it's kind of weird. It's actually all really fucking weird. It's, the more you, the more you look into it, it's it's all, it's kind of strange. Um. So yeah, Saint Nick was yeah Greek born Roman Christian bishop. About we don't really actually know anything about him because everything that was written about him is all like written like quite a while after the fact. And I don't think any mm-hmm. of his original works have survived. Yeah, I mean he's not—he's not one of the more famous saints. I mean, he—I mean he's famous in the capacity in the sense that he's like you know Saint Saint Nicholas is it exactly Santa Claus, it, the like, spirit of Saint Nick. <laughs> you know, I—I I didn't learn that much about him in Sunday yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, How long did you go to Sunday school, by the way? Uh, I don't know, hmm. a couple years. Uh, didn't know learn about Saint Nick. <laughs> no, not not. Not really. He's not. He's not that important. <laughs> What's the <laughs> most important saint that you learned about? That I learned about. Uh, the most that important you, saint that you can well, recall. I mean, saint Paul, probably. Oh yeah. W- which one is he again? No, no. I'm thinking of Saint Peter. Yeah. So Saint Paul is like Paul the apostle. Like. He oh was, right. 
he's the one that's like you know basically you could credit like a lot of the spread of early christianity to him right right he spread yeah. the word yeah so he kind of he went on all these voyages throughout the the old world i guess that's pretty sick yeah so saint paul more mm-hmm. important than saint nick <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, basically nobody knew anything about Saint Nick. The he's a combination of Saint Nicholas and like an amalgamation of kind of similar, like interrelated European figures from okay, like who are some are based off of Saint Nick, some are kind of like compatriots to saint nick it's all really muddled and weird Mm -hmm. but the point is like in the kind of in the 19th century as you know all these europeans are moving to north america Mm -hmm. this the all these kind of figures start getting kind of diluted and amalgamated into one creek like person and that is santa who we have now right but, you okay. know, Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, Chris Kringle, Santa Claus all kind of come from different places. But, you know, um, they all kind of end up becoming into this one figure. Yeah, exactly. Right. Who they call Santa Claus. So in a lot of like the original kind of like folklore Im- interpretations, there's like Santa also like punishes children. Um, right. As you probably know. Uh, like Krampus. right? Exactly. Krampus <laughs> comes up. Krampus okay. is important. <laughs> Krampus is important, yeah. Yeah, because basically there's, like, a, a, a cast of B characters who are, like, super popular in, like, like right. old Europe folklore who would always accompany kind of the Father Christmas character. Oh, like Shvata Pete? Exactly. <laughs> Which I, I don't know how much we're going to talk about him, but, like... Not not really at all, but, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um or Krampus, kind of like the right, anti Santa. Yeah. Um so we'll talk a bit more about like cuz we're talking about this film, right? So we're going to focus on Santa Claus and Chris Kringle. Yeah, well tell me about Topper. Where does Topper come in? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck Topper. Topper's a peng- penguin. And yeah. they're supposed to be in the north. Well, so. I mean they addressed that. Did they? Yeah. Cuz uh, cuz he was talking that. to Topper and he's like uh, he's like, where are you trying to get to? And he's like, the South Pole. And then he's like, well, you're pretty much as lost as you could be. Right, I must have missed that. Yeah, no, they do address it. Well, that's good. Because <laughs> probably they made the figure, and then someone was like, um... <laughs> you know that penguins live in the South Pole, right? <laughs> oh my god, no. And then they were like, okay, well, let's quickly write this in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, 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 so Santa... The name Santa, specifically, um, is kind of a phonetic, like, like anglicization, or wh- how do you pronounce that fucking word? Anglicizing? Anglici- Ang- anglicization? Is that the wor- is that a word? Ang- well, anglicize is a word. I know that anglicize is a word, I just don't know how would you, how would you, anyway, it was anglicized from the, uh, from the Dutch word, uh, Sinterklaas. Right. Um... Who is who is kind of the the Saint Nick like you know, the Dutch sort of Saint Nick uh, version, exactly. Um, Chris Kringle, however, is a little bit more interesting because okay, he comes from the folklore 
Kishkinkel. Um, mm. Was this German, I assume? I believe so, because that appears to come from the southern German Belschnickel. <laughs> okay. Um, which is their term, because the southern Germans uh, and the northern Germans have, in this period have yeah, are slightly different. We won't get into that, but the the Krampus is the northern German term. Right. So basically, Belschnickel, so basically Chris Krampus, Chris Kringle boils down to the to the Southern German Krampus. Um, okay, is what it seems. So I I heard something about Krampus being evil, <laughs> in some way. Is this true, or Kramp- bad? Like Krampus is like a vengeful <laughs> Santa Claus in some way. He's the anti Santa, like right. Like do you, here, do you want to read the Wikipedia? Like just. Uh, uh, entry on Belschnickel. Yeah, so Belschnickel is a man wearing furs and sometimes a mask with a long tongue. Uh, he is very ragged and disheveled. He wears a torn, tattered, and dirty clothes. And he carries a switch in his hands, which he uses to beat naughty children, <laughs> but also pockets full of cakes, candies, and nuts for good children. So a first hand 19th century account of Belschnickel uh, tradition in. Allegheny County, Maryland, Maryland, uh, can be found in. Uh, okay, we cut this off here, probably right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I I just wanted you to read this the the quote because they from the uh, from the uh, uh, Maryland book because I, I just oh the yeah first yeah bit. yeah. He was known as Chris Kinkle, Beltsnickel, and some and sometimes as the Christmas Woman. Children then not only saw the mysterious person but felt him or rather his stripes upon their backs with his switch. Yeah. <laughs> the annual visitor would make his appearance some hours after dark, thoroughly disguised, especially the face, um, which would sometimes be covered with a hideously ugly fizz, ger- generally wore female garb, hence the name Christmas woman. Sometimes it would be a veritable woman, but with a masculine force in action. So it was basically... Uh, Santa, but he delivered beatings to bad children instead of cool. Basically, yeah. Like, it's what uh, the reason I wanted you to read that is because I think my theory, at least, is that kind of well, not my theory. I, uh, I'm sure this is a real thing, but just what I've observed is that it seems like the idea of modern Santa came from just like people writing alman almanacs like wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like okay. kind of summarizing vaguely, it's like broken telephone, like you know, right, yeah, yeah. summarizing these like vague things, and then like you know, genera- generationally, it sort of evolves into one thing. Right. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, Santa is and Krampus merged in Western culture in kind of the 1800s, and by you know, he stopped beating children. He stopped beating children, and I think as kind of the marketing of took over, that was not, you know, <laughs> less less cool. Um, to have Santa do bad things as well as good things, they focused on the good stuff. Um, and then Chris Kringle, they called Santa's name was Chris Kringle in the original Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, no, I remember that. Which um, I think was the first like major popularization of like Santa being named Chris Kringle. Okay. So. Yes. Okay. 
as his legal name or something. Yeah, exactly. Like Santa. So, Cor- but but the name Chris Kringle comes from specifically a. Uh, um, it it comes from like an old German figure. Yeah. Known as Chris Kringle. Or Chris Kinkle. Or Beltsnickel. Beltsnickel. But they're all kind of the same thing. Yeah, all sort of this Krampusy anti Santa like. Right, but then it got merged with the the Saint Nicholas kind of. Yeah, they kind of Father they, Christmas. The Western thing. culture, like, like, there are probably you know fucking academic books written about the whole process. The origin of, of Santa, yeah. Of Santa, yeah, the evolution of Santa, but. Well, I mean, they made a whole movie about it. It's <laughs> yeah, this one. Exactly. Yeah, that's about. Uh, I mean, clearly, the children of Sombertown needed presents. Yeah, that's how it and, happened. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's uh that's the truth about Chris Kringle. But yeah, uh show so let's uh let's let's see what else we have here. Any final thoughts? Like, I don't know. Uh yeah, so okay, I just want to point this out. Like, I want to give this film some credit here in that Burgermeister Meister Burger is one of the best villains of all time. Excellent villain, agreed. Excellent villain. I mean, no motivation, but Oh, no, he's just bad. Although, you know, he hurts himself on toys frequently. <laughs> he's Well, yeah, clearly he's like, he's mad at the toys because, you know, he keeps getting hurt by them. Yeah. And but, apparently his his parents would never give him a yo-yo. Yeah, he, he was quite like good that. at it. He, was, he, could, he could really use a yo-yo. Yeah, Meisterberg yeah. is a great character. There's some excellent elements in this movie. Yeah. Although the this was again the voice for Mike Burger Meister Meister Burger is literally the same voice as Boris Badenov, which is hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, there's yeah, there's a little bit yeah. Of that. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, but yeah, no, I thought this movie was uh, quite imaginative, um, if not you know a little odd and lazy at times. But I I thoroughly enjoyed myself watching this. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a bit lazy. Um, it's like you know they definitely. I wish the music was better. You know, that's mm, yeah, that would probably make the movie a lot better. It would, or if they just didn't randomly insert songs yeah. that weren't good. It's like you know, like the, I'd rather not have there be a song in there if it's not going to be good. Exactly, because like it's already kind of weird and cheap. Like, like I feel like yeah. adding a bad. But song... I mean, the thing is, when you add, yeah. But I mean, I feel like it's. It might actually be cheaper to like, or or like you know take less time to just have a stupid little song in there than actually write something interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's tr- true. They'd actually have to like put work into. They'd actually have to come up with more plot. plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Something would have to happen. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't good. I think in the in the overall like. I think Rudolph probably overshadows this one. Yeah, I I definitely think so, and I think that that's yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, I, I think, think most people would accept that exactly. And this is definitely like kind of number number two of, mm. of those films, but yeah, it's 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 kind of fun. Same, I would. Say, I don't know. I think Frosty might be ahead of this. That's a good point, Frosty. Yeah, Frosty might be. Although more... once again, it's it's a little bit different in style than this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but this is like kind of the same template as uh, Rudolph. Yeah, I mean they actually directly reference Rudolph in this movie. Yeah, that was I find that funny. Yeah, they're like, and that's another story. But that's another story. 
yeah, that was funny. It was enjoyable. It was a, it was an enjoyable movie. I think yeah, the the music mostly distracted me. I think if there had been good music, I would have like enjoyed it a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. and I would have like enjoyed I would because that kind of amplified the bad things for me. Right, like the cheapness of it and the weirdness of it. Like it kind of made it boring as opposed to interesting. I feel like good music could have made it interesting if you know what I mean. Right, because like yeah, maybe. That horrible, horrible psychedelic scene was so <laughs> that bad. That was really weird. And I did not I didn't enjoy think it was it. that bad. I didn't enjoy it at all. But <laughs> I thought it was just kind of weird, but, you know, it wasn't necessarily bad in my opinion. I thought it was bad, and I thought it could have been It saved. was definitely, like, very of its time. The, the animation was, but the music wasn't. The music was yeah weird-ass trash, and he, you could barely understand what she was saying. It was just not good. Mm-hmm. And if it had been yeah. good, then maybe I would have enjoyed that, like, weird fucking trippy sequence. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, maybe. It is what it is, and it, 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 it it's kind of fun. I quite, I, and the, the, the sum up part is quite fun, you know? When they, like, bring you, you from the present story that they're telling to Santa now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that's interesting. That's always enjoyable. I don't know. I just I just love the idea of, like, you know... Santa fighting against this totalitarian government. Yeah, it is a fun. <laughs> I just think that's such a weird choice, but it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. When you put it that way, it is. You know, it's like Santa in a Nazi prison. Uh, Santa, hero of the revolution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... Santa, hero of the revolution is great. Like outlaw yeah, hero I... of the revolution. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's basically like Robin Hood, right? Exactly. <laughs> Sick. It's awesome. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I just but, uh, yeah. wish there was a little more effort put into carrying it out. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's okay, our, so uh, that's our y- episode y- this week. You've linked some things here. Oh, I totally forgot about that, yeah. Yeah. They made a um, video game in 2011. Weird. That seems like a, for the Wii, uh, yeah, like, odd, odd time to make a video game for this old movie. <laughs> seems... What kind of game is it? It's like a side scroller, I think. Oh god. Oh, okay. It seems like it's kind of probably not that imaginative. I think it's trash. Yeah. Came out. Uh, in- did you take a look at the Justin Bieber video that I sent you? Oh yeah, we have to talk about that. I didn't <laughs> that know that was existed. Bizarre. I didn't know it existed until I googled Santa Claus is coming. To- I went on YouTube and I searched Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, everybody <laughs> listening has to l- watch this. It's. The, if you're not familiar with it, it's the Justin Bieber doing Santa Claus is Coming to Town, but the music video is they've animated him into the movie. Yeah, so they've taken the Biebs. <laughs> they've animated him as like... Animagic. A, 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 an, animagic character. And they've put him in with... Although they've done it in CGI, I think. Well, I think there's there's they mixed in CGI with actual scenes. Yeah. Because there's also one yeah. scene where they didn't do a background. They left it blue screen, which I thought was ridiculous. Right, yeah. And then they put it in with the the movie, which is weird. <laughs> like, I don't know. Especially the one scene. Remember, the... who thought to put those two things together, Justin Bieber and this movie? Yeah, I know. Like weird, weird, weird. Fucking like maybe it was like the people who own the song also in the movie or something. I don't know. And they like I had. I have no clue. Yeah. Is it contract? I don't know. I won't speculate, but it's weird. Yeah. And they have Justin, like, peering over the bed of the sick child. Yeah, it's very strange. Very strange choice. 
but yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I thought the movie was was okay. Definitely an enjoyable watch. Yeah, kind of lazy, but you know, it's a Christmas classic. Yeah, you know, you know, you, you're not doing anything <laughs> on your Christmas break. You got full forty five yeah. minutes to kill. Yeah, to exactly check out this strange take on the origin of Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, all right, let me see. Let me see if I got any shit to do. Yeah, any shadow. But I guess that's. Are we taking? Are we taking next week off? So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do uh, no episode next week for the for the break. But then we got a really big episode. Oh yeah, ex- huge huge episode coming up after yeah. the, after the break. Perhaps we're gonna take next week off. Yeah. But then a huge episode immediately following. Perhaps that. our biggest one yet. So. Perhaps who knows, man? Yeah, it's it could be. So that's it's huge. it's gonna be a big. big I'm excited for stuff. it. So look forward to that. But yeah, so uh, so yeah, shout out to Spanish listeners oh, fuck to yeah. the podcast. That's a good one. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Or no, we won't. Uh, Mer- uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we won't see you next week. Yeah, exactly. So, enjoy your enjoy your holidays, days, if you want. Enjoy your holidays, yeah. On my lap today, a kiss, a toy is the price you'll pay. When you tell what you wish for in a whisper, be prepared to pay. If you sit on my lap today, a kiss, a toy is the price you'll pay. When you sit on my left knee, don't be stingy. Be prepared to pay. If whenever you take, you give a little back, then whoever you love, will give a little love back. So give a little love, get a little love back. Don't you have a little love, then you wanna get back.